CCP safety row sparked by Sir Paul Tucker. As SIBO delivers decent results, along with the Intercontinental Exchange and many other in the parish, while LSE disappoints and indeed LSE Borsa Italiana news spins out. SIBO complete their match now purchase and surprise in India as AJT Aggie's contract is renewed as head of SEBI. My name is Patrick L. Young. Welcome to the Borsa Business Weekly Digest. It's the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast. We begin this week in CCP land. There was a fascinating statement by the previously little-known Systemic Risk Council. Their chairman is none other than Sir Paul Tucker, the former Deputy Governor of the Bank of England. The Systemic Risk Council considers that the proposed guidance is not fit for purpose, referring to an FSB white paper on CCP resolution, as it currently stands, since it does not provide a clear internationally agreed solution to the problems of pro-cyclicality and the currently inadequate incentives embedded in plans based on clearinghouses' existing rules. This came on the same day as CCP12, the global clearing and counterparty body, published their primer on credit stress, testing one of their latest white papers helping make a safer market overall. Sir Paul Tucker is an influential thinker, and his being frustrated by the FSB process is going to promulgate quite a debate in the CCP world, methinks. The Systemic Risk Council itself which I think few had heard of before, has a body of august and in many ways sound folk. But it also, I would have to note, appears to lack a single serious CCP executive name on its top body, which strikes me as a somewhat, well, systemic risk. Over in Budapest, congratulations, 30 years of freedom. The Budapest Stock Exchange remains open for business three decades after it reopened following the 50-year pause provoked by the evils of the dark era of communism. Slightly shorter bourse closure, trading on the Zimbabwe bourse resumed after that strange close down a number of weeks back. Nonetheless, Old Mutual are still not trading on the exchange. They seem to be moving their listing in Zimbabwe anyway, onto the mooted Victoria Falls exchange, which this week published some new regulations that are going to therefore dictate how you will be able to list in a country starved of foreign exchange in a US dollar denominated equity listing. Over in India, Power Exchange, PTC, the Power Trading Corporation, they have got the nod to set up the third Power Exchange, with a launch likely by the next financial year. Nonetheless, IEX, the Indian Energy Exchange, retains a lion's share of some 95% of the day-ahead contracts market. Over in New Jersey, they're still talking about the possibility of a quarter-penny tax on stock trades. A lot of nonsense being discussed there about the fact that trades can't possibly move away from the safety of Mawa and the many data centres that are in and around New Jersey through which the pulsing of America's stock trading takes place. The proposed A4402 item of legislation perhaps could be best nicknamed the Get Wall Street Moving Out of State Act. Over at the Indian Energy Exchange, they're planning a gas venture stake sale which could be rather fascinating altogether. And two results this week. ICE topped their quarter two earnings and revenue estimates with another quite smooth beat. 
The results call itself was oozing with a pipeline of potential, as the empire of the intercontinental exchange was outlined. If I ran, for instance, a competitor index franchise right now, I would be amongst those feeling career-stalling frissons down the spine as Jeff Sprecher and his team ran through their potential future growth areas with a welter of encouraging growth statistics. Over at the London Stock Exchange, not such a cheery news. Year-in-year fall in operating profit in the first half. Ultimately, LCH goes from strength to strength. The rest of the group looks a bit meh, basically. There were three altogether disappointments of really serious note in the parish during the quarter of this earnings season. Deutsche Börse, the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and the London Stock Exchange Group. At the same time, LSEG updated us on the all-share acquisition of Refinitiv and we'll get to that in just a moment. But for the time being, let us recall that the US Department of Justice has closed their investigation into the merger without remedies, as was essentially expected. That said, there was no word on whether or not the US Department of Justice did so, closing this book while stifling a chuckle at LSE's desperation to acquire what amounts to a poor asset at an excessive valuation. Fabulous numbers also came the way of the Singapore Exchange. Superb net profits overall, with an excellent jump that defeated all of the analysts, and at least shows there's life in the old dog of the Singapore Exchange yet after the recent disappointment of losing the MSCI indexes. Tradeweb equally excellent numbers all round. And while we did have disappointment from DB1 just across the border in the Benelux countries and also France, Euronex produced some stunning numbers altogether, which caused the share price to go into orbit. Elsewhere, we had numbers from the Toronto-Montreal exchange and indeed also Thomson Reuters. They managed to exceed the forecasts, but in, well, what amounts to essentially a homily for the history of the Reuters franchise and indeed arguably the Refinitiv franchise too. Nonetheless, their operating profits fell while exceeding those analysts' forecast. In deals this week, SIBO Global Markets, they completed the acquisition of the Canadian ATS Match Now that was acquired from Virtue a couple of months back. But the big news, of course, was the U-turn. The London Stock Exchange is considering selling the Milan Bourse to secure its refinitive takeover deal. That's a disappointing U-turn all round, as LSE looked to now sell core assets in order to pursue what amounts to an increasingly dubious deal for Refinitive. At the same time, the macro factors behind this may even suggest that neither DB1 nor Euronex will ultimately get a look in once, if, presuming, the Milan Bourse is actually offered for sale. However, after months of denial, the one damaged item here is LSEG management credibility once again. Euronext, they completed their acquisition of VP Securities and in the crypto markets, the race is on to IPO. INX, they're looking at an IPO. They've scaled down the target to $127 million, we learned this week. At the same time, Hong Kong-based crypto firm Diginex, they're going to get listed on NASDAQ in September. Meanwhile, also Equus IO, they're looking set to potentially be in that leading group, if not the first to list, as they go public through a backdoor listing on the Nasdaq via one of the many SPACs, which of course have been the flavour du jour, or at least the flavour of the last quarter or so. Meanwhile, if you're looking for some reading, depending on whether you're locked down on the beach, locked down in quarantine either side of your trip, or actually have got the ability to go to an office every day, remember, we all know COVID-19 is a killer, but can it kill your career, or is that the impact of fintech destroying your business? 
It's a victory or death world of risk and opportunity. I want you to understand how technology is affecting life and markets. And that's why I've produced my new book, 20 Years On, from the excitement of the original fintech bestseller Capital Market Revolution. Because it's time to look at some of those loose strands hanging around which need a spot of perspective, whether you are an exchange parishioner, a fintech professional, or anybody just trying to stay abreast of where technology is now driving investments and finance. Victory or death, blockchain, cryptocurrency, and the fintech world is an easy read explaining the differing and diverging roles of all the interacting counterparties in the marketplace of today and the future so that you can understand the new business models of the new world order of the digital world and place in perspective just what Bitcoin, blockchain, cryptocurrency mean for markets, amongst many other issues. It's a binary world. Your career will sustain or collapse in the next stage of digital markets, hence the title Victory or Death, lest you need reminding of the exciting times for finance and your career in which we're living. Victory or Death is published by DV Books and is distributed by Ingram Worldwide. Meanwhile, if you're waiting for your copy of Victory or Death to arrive, check out our new live stream. It takes place at Tuesdays at 6 o'clock London time, 1 p.m. New York time, the IPO video live show. You can catch the back episodes on LinkedIn and YouTube. We come to you every week with a new and exciting guest discussing all sorts of matters of moment in the world, not merely of exchange, but also the wider area of investment, markets and business. Product news this week, the Options Clearing Corporation, OCC, a welcome announcement. They're lowering the cost for users of the US equity derivatives markets that pulse through their CCP. Joy reigns across the single name options business and somewhat beyond. Over in Hong Kong, they launched the second tranche, a new tranche of eight MSCI futures contracts. Those are markets which they managed to essentially whip from under the nose of the Singapore exchange just a few weeks ago. Elsewhere, Wisdom Tree, they've changed benchmarks in one of their ETC products for West Texas Intermediate Crude Oil, moving away from the CME's somewhat challenged Cushing contract. They're now using a Bloomberg WTI Crude Oil Multi-Tenor Excess Return Index. Of course, readers, viewers, listeners, depending on which media you're interacting with Exchange Invest, will note that in issue 1770 on 26th of May, Exchange Invest reported that Wisdom Tree is shutting its oil ETPs after Shell had terminated a swap deal. We talked about that at the time as being a clear backlash in the aftermath of the Cushing crisis as the Wisdom ETPs were shuttered. Indeed, other stories about the issues of the oil market. There were a couple of good numbers in Bloomberg this week talking about how people made money on that negative oil price crash. A $500 million jackpot when oil prices went negative and ultimately saved the results of several oil majors, including perhaps most notably Shell and Total during the last quarter. Meanwhile, the Singapore Exchange, they're bouncing back. They've launched some fabulously innovative international REIT futures, the first such products in Asia looking at real estate investment trusts. Over in China, hog futures are set to make debuts, but people think that they're going to face big challenges, according to reports in Reuters. And in India, the National Commodity Derivative Exchange MD Kumar has said he's exploring the introduction of an edible oil index. Technology news this week. The consultation has closed on the chess replacement timetable over at the Australian Securities Exchange ISX. 
Some might say that the ASX managed to insert the word PERIC into PR with a press release that noted that 91% of chess users are able to meet the proposed go-live date of April 22, which is a date of April 22, amounting to a significant delay of several years over and above what was originally proposed. Curve fitting is alive and well, one might argue, but at least ASX seems to have found a date when they might be able to rejoin the free markets of the world without having to throttle their trading because of settlement constraints as occurred during the Q1 COVID crash and was subsequently indeed underpinned by announcements from the Australian regulator ASIC defending the failure of ASX to upgrade their systems, particularly the hyper-venerable chess system. It was interesting, however, to see CEO Dominic Stevens of the ASX quoted on the release, whereas normally we've been used to seeing Deputy CEO Peter Hyam fronting the delay announcements. Anyway, hopefully we're going to see chess finally replaced by the digital asset system and we can all move on. Over in India, MCX is leading the way amongst the exchanges planning to roll out direct market access to retail investors. That's, of course, a direct market access, which is actually illegal under things like MIFID in Europe. I wonder, will we see a spot of deregulation in the future? Charles Schwab, they made a big announcement. Of course, we know that they're buying TD Ameritrade. They are going to adopt the Think or Swim trading platform as part of that TD Ameritrade acquisition. Exchange Invest is the daily must-read by the most influential figures operating the world's best markets. We invite you to join the exclusive group of Boris Bosses and other C-suite executives who make Exchange Invest the exchange of information, their daily business intelligence guide to markets the world over. Exchange Invest is available to subscribers at $200 per user per year or currency equivalent. You can get more details at exchangeinvest.com or email me patrick at derivativesvision.com. In crowdfunding news this week, Metrobank, they have acquired the P2P lender Ratesetter. They're looking actually at the idea they may buy more such P2P lending platforms in the future. The deal has a bargain basement price tag of £2.5 million, although it could rise to somewhere around $15 million or beyond, depending on specific earnouts. Elsewhere, Lending Club demonstrated the problems of the P2P industry at the moment with a 90% annual drop in loan originations, while their Q2 earnings missed estimates on low revenues. In regulation news this week, a director of the SEC, the American regulator, was calling for private markets to open up to retail investors. Well, that does strike one as a bit of a kettle pot black index issue, doesn't it? I mean, could the SEC perhaps think outside the box and say do something like open up public markets by reducing some of the overly onerous regulation on publicly quoted companies so we could use the existing regulated level public playing fields? Elsewhere, US regulators are zeroing in on Binance chain. The SEC doesn't seem to be particularly happy about some of the issues pertaining to Binance, the somewhat nomadic cryptocurrency exchange. Of course, the question to ask, I suppose, is after TikTok, if the US closes in on Binance, will they be forced to sell out to Microsoft? Hashtag asking for a friend. Elsewhere, scandal ended this week. The Chinese police took down the $6 billion plus token Ponzi, arresting 109 people. Elsewhere in the UK, great news, Chancellor Sunak, he has decided to drop CSDR, which is going to hugely benefit the UK settlement industry particularly in ETFs, amongst other assets. Of course, one might say, in this complicated environment, could that possibly be a call to action for tourists too, given the fact that Crest, the UK settlement agency, is part of Euroclear, pending successful implementation. 
Who knows? Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly. We welcome your feedback. You can contact me directly, patrick at derivativesvision.com with any comments. Meanwhile, if you enjoyed this show, we would welcome you giving us a thumbs up. Or if you have time, a positive review will always be welcome wherever you find this podcast. In People News this week, as I trailed at the top of the bulletin, AJ Tiagi, his tenure as SEBIAC chairman has been extended for another 18 months. That's the third extension after he was originally appointed for five years. That was cut to three years and now twice his position has been extended. Quite a surprise, a shock to rival the Ashley Alder Hong Kong SFC repo trade just a few months ago where it looked like Alder was headed to the UK to run the regulator there. Both of these regulators, Mr Tiagi and Alder, looked to be completely departing until suddenly a new contract surprise emerged. Over at the EGM, which wrapped up the acquisition of the Spanish exchange BME by the Swiss exchange SIX, Jos Gisselhoff, the CEO of the SIX exchange in Switzerland, was appointed as chairman, thus ensuring direct oversight of the Madrid arm of the SIX empire from group headquarters in Zurich. The Shenzhen Exchange, they have closed the vacancy, which has been open for several months after Wang Jianjun was promoted to serve as party chief and chairman of the Shenzhen Stock Exchange. The number two position will now be filled by a leading official from the country's top securities regulator, Sha Yan. Mrs. Shan, we wish you all the very, very best. And finally this week, in News About People, delighted to see that Michael Spencer, a genuine grandee and leviathan of the exchange parish, has been elevated to sit in the upper house of the UK Parliament, the UK House of Lords. Arise, Lord Spencer. The Cumex scandal continues to bubble along, and indeed this week it was quite exciting to see even the German Banking Association was being searched as investigators continue to chase moles and all manner of other problematic issues pertaining to this, which remains one of two significant black holes alongside Wirecard in the German regulatory ambit during the course of the last year. However, Let's end with one fascinating story. In Mumbai, heavy rain toppled the signage of the Bombay Stock Exchange building. Members of Rune Readers Anonymous may interpret this as an inauspicious sign. Certainly, it's a technical indicator, which even as a former technical analyst myself, I believe to be without precedent in modern markets. And on that mysterious and magnificent note, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Patrick L. Young. I wish you a great week in life and markets. Thank you for listening to what amounted to a Heinz 57 varieties of markets in this episode 57 of the Exchange Invest Weekly Podcast. Remember the live stream on Tuesday at 6pm London time, 1300 hours Eastern time, coming to you via LinkedIn and YouTube. Have a great week in markets. This show relates to the business of bourses. It is not to be construed as investment advice, nor are we making any investment recommendations. Please consult an investment advisor before you make any investments, and for goodness sake, do your due diligence and do not make investments without complying with the regulations in your home state. Exchange Invest cannot be held responsible for any investment decisions made as a result of our programme, which is for entertainment purposes only.
The material herein is copyright Patrick L. Young at the date of publication, while our music and sound effects are sourced from copyright-free sources. Thanks for listening to Exchange Invest Weekly, the exchange of information.